My name is Julian, and this is the Sales Fix Podcast. It's you, the salespeople across the world that make the world a better place. You've brought down prices, you've increased quality, you've caused the guarantee, the warranty, the return policy, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Discussions, interviews, sales quick tips. Everything to sharpen the saw and make you a better salesperson. Hey, sales warriors, welcome back to another episode of the Sales Fix podcast. Great to have you. Hope you've been enjoying uh, all the past episodes. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving and are ramping up to a great uh, Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, if you're looking for some cool gift ideas um, for the uh, significant other or just an other person in your life, recommend you check out our um, sponsors page, uh, originmain.com. That's originmain with an E. Purveyors of finely manufactured clothing from the great state of Maine. Um, this is a company that's brought that manufacturing to the United States. Um, the clothing industry used used to be huge in Maine and then went through a period of time where everything was getting uh, shipped off and the factories were closing. And this is actually a company that's brought back. They went to the old factories. They pulled out all the old looms and brought them into their factory and fixed them. And they found you know, the guys with the knowledge out there that could get those looms working again. And now they make some just fantastic stuff. Stuff. Um, they make regular clothing, sweaters, T-shirts, pairs of jeans. It's literally the best pair of jeans I've ever owned. Uh, not the cheapest, but you get what you pay for. And, and I absolutely assure you the quality on these jeans is really, you know, in all the ways, I mean, none of the problems I have with regular jeans in terms of riding up or crunching or not being comfortable. These things are just fantastic. They also make great workout wear, rash shirts, uh, compression wear, those kinds of things. Great hoodies, um, fantastic uh, other, you know, workout shorts and those kinds of things. And, uh, they also make jujitsu geese. If you're into that, um, I've got a couple of the geese from that company and they're fantastic. They're actually my favorite geese. So highly recommend you check them out. Lots of good Christmas gift ideas on that page. So check them out. Let's talk a little bit today about, uh, assumptions and the danger that comes with assumptions on this quick fix episode. I, I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, there's a Mark Twain quote that I really like, and uh, the quote is, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. The first time I saw that, I saw it at the beginning of a movie, it was it was up on the front end of a movie, a movie called The Big Short, which is about the uh, real estate uh, bubble uh, that happened in the, uh, in the uh, you know, that crashed rather in the 07, 08, 09. The movie's about the people that, the few people that figured out in advance that it was going to crash. And it was, you know, all the assumptions that people had about certain things, right? Real estate's never crashed, therefore it can't, right? These products have never been dangerous, therefore they can never be dangerous. Um, and, you know, assumptions are a well-known hazard in business, in life, uh, probably even back in Mark Twain's day. Um, and hence, obviously, they're a hazard in the world of sales as well. So when you're a sales professional, you need to be wary of and do all you can to avoid some common and very tempting assumptions that happen in the sales role. And I'm going to cover today four of them that I think are the biggest hazards and the ones to really be careful of as a sales rep because these assumptions can sink a lot of your sales efforts. And a lot of them won't bite you initially. They'll bite you when you're very far down the sales process. So you're in the negotiating phase. You're, you're, you know, It's not just on the prospecting interaction. And you're all the way into negotiating a sales deal and all of a sudden it falls apart and it's because some of your assumptions
assumptions were false. So you now have wasted a lot of time and effort and energy that you sank into actually making this particular thing happen. And you've sank it because you sank it right at the get-go because of some of the assumptions, right? So let's go through the four assumptions that I want you to be wary of as a sales professional. The first one is the assumption of time, right? So if you ask 100 people to use words to describe salespeople, arrogant will usually be towards the top of that list. And the reason the word arrogant is so often associated with salespeople is because salespeople have this attitude of, we called you and you answered the phone, or we called on you and you took the call. So hence, you've got time to hear us out. No matter how much money or time you can save me in the long run, I may not be in a place in the short run to actually be able to hear you out if there's something more urgent and more important or both going on in my particular world at the moment. So as a sales professional, you really have nothing until you have your prospect's time, right? And it's an arrogant uh, assumption. It's an arrogant assumption, excuse me, to assume that someone answering the phone is a time for a sales pitch. It's foolish to attempt to talk to somebody who is not or not who is not listening or not able to listen because of what's going on in their world. So we really want to be very, very careful. I always tell people until you answer the question, when you make a prospecting call, when you make a sales call, until you answer the question, how long is this going to take? Your prospect can barely hear you. It's almost that that like Larson, Gary Larson, Far Side comic back in the day where it shows you the man speaking to his dog and he's going. He's saying this long list of things. You know, he's going, Rex, you're a bad dog, and I didn't like you. fact, did Rex? And then it shows you the the sort of conversation from the dog's perspective, and all the dogs hearing is Rex, Rex. It's only recognizing its own name. And I think prospects, the the people we do business with, when we call in an unscheduled call time of perspective, if we don't take the time to nullify that fear of loss of time, right? Answering that question, how long is this going to take? If we assume that they have time to talk simply because we call and they don't know how long this conversation is going to be, then that's going to break down a lot of things. It's very arrogant of us to do that, but it's also going to break down a lot of, you know, it's going to hinder trust. And very often they're not going to be willing to listen at all because they can't really put a, a, a firm sense of how long this is going to take. So the assumption of time is the number one that you have to be very, very careful of. The assumption of need is the other one. Right. And and this is probably the biggest time waster in the sales world, because if I add up all the time an average sales professional spends presenting a solution to a client that does not have the need for that solution, I have enough years to like build my own Death Star. Right. Even without Darth Vader, like threatening people to get to get it back on schedule. So no matter how good your product or service is. No matter how much it may appear that everybody will need it, you cannot assume that need, right? There's nothing as foolish in sales as spending time trying to sell shoes to the man with no feet, right? So we cannot assume need. Our sales process has to be built on the confirmation of need. In fact, in most cases, that should be the agenda driving the initial interaction is the validation or confirmation of a need existing. So don't assume need. The third assumption that I think is very, very dangerous to uh, fall into sales is what I call the assumption of perception, right? So even if the need for your product or service is clearly there, it does not mean that your prospect perceives it. So you've got, so this is the flip side of the same coin of the assumption of need. You can know that the need is there, but that doesn't mean your prospect is actually seeing that. So there's so much information hitting our brains second by second as human beings that actually most human beings are in a triage or deletion kind of mode, right? We're deleting a ton of information that we don't find uh, relevant at any one particular time. Psychologists will tell you, I don't know what the percentage is, right? But there's a large percentage of information that your brain is capturing 
at any one moment through your five senses. And it tends to delete. It tends to look for things to delete and get out of the way so it can focus on what's more relevant and important. And what that does is create blind spots, right, where we miss things all the time. So let me give you a quick example of this. And please don't do this if you're driving the car because you're going to wreck it, right? You're going to run it off the road and kill someone, and I want you to do that. But assuming that you're not in the car right now, right, that you're sitting in a room, I want you to turn around, right, and look for look at the room behind you for about 30 seconds, right? So don't look at the wall that you're facing now. Turn around and look at the wall behind you for about 30 seconds. Count to 30 and just observe the things that are on the wall, right? Now come back, right? Now come back and don't look at the wall again, right? And let me ask you a question and let's see if you can answer it. How many red items or things were in the room behind you? on that wall or in that direction. Count off as many as you can without looking, not looking behind you, just off of memory, off of observing for 30 seconds like you did. How many red items did you pick up that were in the room behind you? Right Now, once you've done that, turn back around and now look for things that are red. And likely what's happening is you're finding a ton of things that you didn't see the first time. Right. Well, actually, you did see them the first time, but your brain didn't register them as significant. So it deleted them because when you turned around, you weren't looking with the agenda of finding red things. And when you turned around with the agenda of finding red things, when your brain had a mission to find red things, what it did was deleted other items. So now you turn back around and face back in the direction that you were facing, right? No longer behind you. And you've got a good sense of how many red items are. But if I ask you the same question on green or blue items, boom. Right, you're probably not remembering that because, again, you were focused on finding red items, not blue or red. So this is going on in your prospect's mind all the time, especially at work. Right. So the assumption that they are perceiving the problem when you're you're walking in with the uh, with the mission of finding this problem, since it's the problem that your solution solves. So of course you're walking in with that mission, but they're not necessarily in that same mode at the time where you're calling on them. So we can't assume perception. Part of our sales process has to be how do we create the perception of the problem once we've confirmed that the problem is there. Sometimes finding the need and finding the perception are going to be the same thing because it happens in the same conversations. But there's other times where you see it clearly before you ever talk to the customer. And that's where you have to make sure that they see it. So that's the third assumption we want to avoid, the assumption of perception, right? Now, the fourth one, the assumption of priority, okay? So, okay, you've confirmed need. You've made sure that the prospect is actually perceiving that need. So you're all good, right? Now, now all you got to do is say, quote the price and they're good to go. They're going to bite. Well, Actually, not quite, because the existence of a problem to solve, which I define as a sales opportunity, right, does not mean that the problem is high enough on the priority list to be addressed by the prospect, right? So let's say you sell life insurance. I may actually be in a position where I need life insurance or maybe better life insurance than what I have now. I know that I need it, right? But let's say my car is not running, there's a leak in my roof, and I also just broke my leg. You know what? life insurance just isn't something that I'm going to be interested in discussing right now because there's three items with much higher urgency and importance on my list of things that I have to, to tackle. And now most human beings are able to work on maybe one, two, or maybe three priorities at once, right? And then highly functional human beings with a support staff and a lot of resources maybe can work on five at once, right? But if the problem solved by your product or service is not in your prospect's top five or top three, guess what? They're probably not going to take action on it. 
they're probably not even going to be willing to engage in the conversation to discuss it, right? So then that brings up the question, how do you know? And that goes right back to the conversations and the questions that we ask our prospects to understand what's going on in their world, right? Now, one of the things you may be saying here is, well, so what does that mean? If my problem is number six on their list, do I give up? I can't, I can't, I, I, at that point, I can't get that customer. No, you probably can still get that customer at some point, but you're probably not going to get them until your problem moves up the list so that it's in the top three. Now, there's a couple different ways that can happen. You can find somebody else in that company who who is in the top three with the problem that you solve, right? So maybe the director of HR is not, but the director of finance is. So now you're going to want to work with him because he's going to be the internal driver adopting or buying and adopting your solution. That's, that's one way. The other piece, and this is a big miss that I see often in sales, is they'll say, well, I don't think I'm in the top three. Well, what are the top three? You were sitting with a customer for 30 minutes. You've known this customer and had three or four conversations over the course of the last few weeks. What's in their top three? Because the beauty of sales is it's based on trust, and nothing establishes trust like being trustworthy. So in the case where I was talking about, like, I may need life insurance, right, but I got a leaky roof and my car's broken. Well, if I run into that situation as a sales professional, I'm going to make an effort to refer that client, somebody who can fix their roof, somebody who can fix their car, somebody who can mend their leg. Why? Because if I refer them somebody that handles that problem, I've won some trust, right? I've shown that my address book, my network has competence in solving problems. They know that competent people tend to hang out with other competent people. So the fact that I'm in that circle means I'm probably competent at selling life insurance. The other thing is by knocking out problems one, two, and three, if I was number six on the list, I just moved up three spots. Now I am in the top three. So that's an opportunity not to miss. But more importantly, it's not assuming that because we found the problem, because they're aware of it, that we're a priority. You have so much bandwidth and so much time in your day. You have to focus on the clients that have hit those four things, right? So they've got the time, they've got the need, they've got the perception of the need, and the need is high enough priority that's going to deal with it. It's not that you're dismissing and ignoring every other prospect on your list, but you're trying to hit your month or your quarter or your year, and that's going to happen with the people that are on this list. And the other ones, you keep circling around to see if you move up the priority list, you keep you know, hanging around and asking questions to see if they get the better perception of whatever the problem is. But don't assume that these four things or that any of these four things are in place. You avoid all those assumptions, right? You invert the paradigm by starting to qualify your prospects instead of them qualifying you. So in other words, you'd probably don't present until you know that all four of these things are in place. You don't assume them. And that comes from a sales process. That means you don't wing it on sales calls. You don't wing it on your pipeline. You use a systematic methodology to avoid assumptions that diminish trust with your clients and make you chase your tail. Because the more process-oriented you are, the more of a professional you are at what you do in sales or any other profession for that matter, right? the more likely it is that you're going to be more efficient with your time. You're going to be spending time in the conversations with people that are in a position with the need and the perception and the priority need to be able to buy from you. And, you know, if, if you're doing that based on a, a psychologically based or human behavioral science based approach, 
that factors avoiding these assumptions, then that starts to become rocket fuel to your success. For no other reason than you're making the same 50 dials or the same five meetings a day that the guy next to you is doing, except you're doing it with qualified prospects. He's doing it with a general population. You're going to convert more because you're finding more people that have your need. And this is what we need to understand in sales is that we are qualifying them just as much as they're qualifying us, right? We need to understand that our time needs to be spent with people that we can help and that need our help. Anything else beyond that is what brings back that perception of arrogance around salespeople where it's like, you're just pitching what you want to pitch for the sake of making a sale and getting a commission. You're not actually trying to solve problems. And it's not that there aren't people who make sales based on that faulty approach, but what they don't get is a lot of referrals. They don't build their business over time. They're chasing their tail. They're starting over every month or every year. And the reason they are is because they're not a professional. They're just a schlepper. They're just somebody who's going around, right? Knocking on doors and shoving product on people. And that works short term, but I don't know a lot of people who've had long-term success in sales if that's the the, uh, the approach that they take. So again, to review, right? The four assumptions you want to avoid. The assumption of time, that they have the time to talk to you. The assumption of need, that they have a need for your product. The assumption of perception, that they perceive that need accurately. And then the assumption of priority or the assumption of urgency, right? That you're high enough on the list of things that they need to knock off, that it makes sense for you to be able to present, put together a proposal. And here's the thing. If you assume one or any or all four of these things, you're going to find yourself writing up a lot of proposals, sending them to clients who then go into the witness protection program and you never hear from them again. And you're wondering, why is that, right? Because they don't have the need or they don't have the urgency or they don't have the perception of the need or they don't have the time to deal with it. So we need to really make sure that we're not assuming any of those four things in our sales process because as Mark Twain says, it ain't what you don't know that gets you. It's what you think you know that you're absolutely sure you know, but just ain't so. And that's a great quote by Mark Twain and it really uh, lives greatly in sales. As a matter of fact, I have it written up on the whiteboard in front of my desk as a reminder on a constant basis. Okay, I hope you enjoyed uh, that quick fix sales fix. Uh, here's where if you want to support the show, I will ask for your help in one of a couple areas. And I'm actually not going to ask you for money, strangely enough, for a salesperson. Uh, but if you have time to rate this podcast, go on there and rate it, or even better, write a review on it. That's fantastic. Um, if you want to get this podcast through whatever app you're using delivered to you automatically, it does help if you subscribe. It's completely free. But if you click that subscribe button, you will start getting these podcasts automatically delivered to the app and that helps us move up the rankings which helps us reach out to more other people the other great thing to do is to take uh, a link uh, to this podcast episode or any of the other episodes and share it with friends on any of your social media platforms LinkedIn or anywhere else certainly appreciate you guys doing that and supporting the show hope this was helpful and remember if you want us to come in and talk to your teams if you want to look at our sales fix guild project where we are helping salespeople on an individual by individual basis for about the cost of a nice dinner out per month. You can get a professional sales coaching environment where you have a coach that's helping you in sales because I know from experience, a lot of companies spend a lot of time training you on their product, but not a lot of time training you on sales. And they expect you to just figure that stuff out by magic. And it's a science. There's some clearly uh, great guidelines to follow that are going to help you. Anyway, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your investment in time, your most valuable resource to spend that time listening to me. And I'll look forward to catching up to you on the next episode of the Sales Fix Podcast. You've been listening to the Sales Fix Podcast. For more sales tactics and tips, 
visit the blog section at salesfix.com. That's salesfix with two X's. We're on Twitter at salesfix, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you'd like help training your sales team, email us at info at salesfix.com.